this place that I've had to wrestle with forgiveness on a deep level. All right? Okay. And so the concept of, of forgiveness, basically what we need to understand is that many of us as the children of God, while we are, uh, we are the, the, the beneficiaries of forgiveness, we are the main beneficiaries of forgiveness. Why is it that believers are the ones that uh, f- we find that, that it's hardest for us to forgive? We have the Holy Ghost. We have Jesus literally in our lives. We literally have a direct relationship with the almighty sovereign God. And many times the world can forgive somebody sooner than the church does. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? Let's, 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 let's dig into this. Uh, I, I believe that much of our ideology and our practice concerning forgiveness, much of it, the vast majority of it is based on two things. One, our experiential knowledge. In other words, how, how we've experienced things in our life. But then two, cultural confines. So we don't forgive according to most times, and we'll just put this out here as a basis. I'm not saying this is everybody, but this is most certainly the vast majority. The majority of us, our, our ideology as it comes or as it relates to forgiveness comes from, one, our experiential knowledge, what we have experienced. And let me just pause parenthetically and apologize for every person who has hurt you, especially in the name of the Lord. I apologize. That, is, that, that, that was not right. That was not right. That was not right. Every person who touched you in a way they shouldn't have touched you, every person who said something to you that they shouldn't have said to you, every person who, who, who categorized you as something that you were never called to be in the name of the Lord, I beg, I beg, I beg forgiveness. I beg forgiveness. Not just our experience. You can, you can take my monitor down now. I'm good, Charles. Not just experience, but cultural confines. I'm willing to bet that there were some people that you were ready to forgive. But because of the culture you were in, It lent itself towards unforgiveness. There there were probably relationships right now that you still could have had if it weren't some hurt people in your life telling you not to forgive them. Mm, okay, because come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. You on the bench, come on. Mm, oh, come on, I got you, I got you. I promise I got you. The reality is, is that some of us we have stayed in unforgiveness, bound to other things, not because of our unwillingness to forgive, but because of the cultural confines around us. We don't forgive them. We done with them. Mm-mm, they ain't with us. How many times have you embraced an offense that wasn't even your own? Because you were team somebody. 
and you miss the grace of God upon your life because you dismiss somebody that somebody else dismissed. You dismissed a system. You dismissed, you dismissed an a institution because of the wrongdoing of one person. Can I help somebody? Don't miss Jesus because Jesus got some bad brothers and sisters. Don't miss the father because he got some bad children. And some of us, we have yet to forgive, even in the house of God, because of cultural confines. Y'all ready? We we together? We together? Here's how it should go. As believers, we should think about and practice forgiveness based on the word of God. This, This is our theological preface to to, to this whole series. I I, I need to get this out the way, make sure that we know it and we understand. We have to base, we have to base forgiveness off of the word of God. Jesus is talking to his disciples and one of them say, well, the law of Moses says that you should forgive your brother seven times and after seven times you ain't got to deal with them anymore, right? Jesus says, arah. As a matter of fact, it's 70 times 7. And for those of you who who are really good at math, don't go there. Because the the idea and the premise and even the very language of the the Aramaic text suggests that it is to be uh, continuous. As long as you are being forgiven, oh my goodness, you should engage in forgiveness. Oh, that's a theological statement that you need to write down. As long as you're being forgiven, as long as you are in a state, in a condition whereby you need to receive forgiveness, you need to also be in a state whereby you are giving forgiveness. For the word of the Lord says, as we forgive our debtors, you will forgive us. So first, it should be based on the word of the Lord. It should be based on the Bible. It should be based on the word of God. And let me just add this for for my school of ministry students. I'm talking to them. Uh, it, it It should be properly contextualized. Don't use the Bible to beat anybody up. Because the Bible, as, as, as the word of God declares, is a two-edged sword. And so every time you use the Bible to cut somebody, please understand that thing is going back and slicing you in the face too. You're welcome. Uh, Not only should it be the word of God, but it also should be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because there will be some times where you will not read the scripture. There will be some times where you won't have a particular scripture for that particular thing. So what does the scripture say about them doing this to me? What does the scripture say about uh, uh, them saying this? What does the scripture say about me being in this circumstance, in this condition, in this situation? What does the scripture say about it? And if there is scriptural silence, the beautiful thing is not only do we have the logos, but we also have the rhema. 
which is the inspired word of God, which is even if there is no scripture that points directly to your situation, seemingly you can fall on your face and say, Holy Spirit, give me inspiration. Show me which way to go. Show me what to do. So our basis, our practice, our ideology and our practice of forgiveness should be based on the word of God and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here it is. Your pact should not help you on whether you should forgive or not. Your Savior should. Should I forgive them, friend? Watch this. Here it is. There are some people that have much to gain from your unforgiveness. Okay, okay. We already there. We already, we already in it, Ebony. Come on, let's go. There are some people that if you're not cool with them, you'll get the benefit of their friendship more. Ah, yeah. And so I'd rather you not be friends with them so I can get all of your friendship benefits. That's less Christmas gifts we got to buy if they're not in the group. Watch this. If, if their voice is not in the conversation, then my voice has more leverage. And I can turn the group my way if this person is not in it. And so I, I stand to benefit from you not forgiving them. And so most certainly I will speak to it. Well, you know what? If I was you, I wouldn't put up with that. No, 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 no. Mm, who is you? No, no, no. We grown. Ain't nobody going to talk. Uh-uh. No, no. I'm done with that. No, 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 no. Bruh, what you mean, man? You got, no, no, man. He can't tell. You a grown man. You ain't going to let nobody talk to you. Ain't nobody going to son you, dog. No, you. Proverbs says it is the foolish man that rejects wisdom. And is the imprudent one that rejects correction. And whether, whether you know it or not, uh, none of us in here are perfect. And so no matter how great you are, no matter how high you have arrived to, no matter what your title, your position is, no matter how thick your collar is around your neck, no matter how many chains you got around your neck, two chains, no matter how many cars you got in your driveway, no matter how many zeros are behind your paycheck, no matter how many likes you got on Facebook, no matter how many retweets you have, no matter how many Instagram followers you have, you're going to be wrong at some point in time. And you better pray to Jesus Christ and his Holy Ghost. That somebody loves you enough to tell you you wrong. Nobody got no no men in here, huh? Ain't nobody. Listen, tell me. Listen, uh uh-uh, man, that ain't even it. Go back in that closet. No, sir. I have have five men that have direct access to me. And and, and, and I'll never forget this. I remember one time I I was getting ready really to cross state lines and do a crime. I kid you not. Kid you not, literally. I was literally going to cross state lines do a crime because I don't like people messing with my family, though. Now, and I'm not justifying what I'm doing, okay? Please, amen, Bishop, that's right. I would have put something on your books because that's right. That's my bishop. No, that's against the law, guys. <laughs> my bishop about it, though. Like, he, you bitch with jail? Yeah, but you got to hear the story, though. No, that's not it. I'm at Basalic Elders. I called him, and I, and, I, and, I, and I laid him out. He said, he said, he said, he said, he said, JT, nah, man, that ain't it. Nah. Nah, that's stupid. That's stupid. Don't do that. Stop. Think about it. You need to have people in your corner that are 
that are willing to tell you the truth. I, I, love, how, I, love, I, love, how, I love how Proverbs says it. Solomon says in Proverbs that, 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 that the wounds of a friend are faithful. Ecclesiastes says that they're faithful wounds. In other words, they're they not hidden you to hurt you. they hidden you to help you. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. But now, what we need to understand is, and, and this is something that we, t- that we dealt with the last time, and then we're really going to get into the crux of everything that we'll deal with today, and we'll, we'll get out of the way, uh, that forgiveness does not originate with you. You see, many of us, when we are offended, when we're hurt, when we're done wrong, we, we hold the forgiveness of the other person as if it's ours to keep. No, no, no. In reality, I love, I love when, when Jesus engages in a miracle and the Pharisees, because they didn't know that he was Jesus, they said, they said, wait a minute, only God can forgive sin. And he says, you speak rightly. You're right. But guess what? I'm God. The reality is, is that it is only God that forgives sin. And so the forgiveness that God issues, it only comes from him. The forgiveness that we issue, uh, the, 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 the Greek word for it is alpheus. And it simply means to cut or sever a tie. And what many of us don't realize is, is that when we uh, neglect to forgive somebody, we, we are literally tethering ourselves not just to the person but to the offense we stay connected to that thing and so no matter where we go and no matter what we do we are we are always tethered to that thing and that's why that's why we say something like I just can't get over it I just I just can't believe you know I just can't move on I just I just can't move on because you have not decided to cut the cord to Alpheus to to release yourself from that anguish, from that hurt, from that pain. If you trusted your God more, you would, you would know that your God is able to heal, to deliver, and to set free. And what many of us do when we decide not to forgive, we're saying, God, I don't trust that you'll do the right thing. Sounds like idolatry. When we, when we refuse to forgive somebody as believers, I'm not talking about non-believers, but as believers, as those who have been regenerated through the power of Jesus Christ, when we refuse to forgive somebody, what we're literally saying to ourselves is, or what we're literally saying to the Almighty, I don't trust that you're going to handle them. And so I'm going to keep them in my emotional prison. I'm going to keep them in my custody. May it never be. So if we're going to deal with forgiveness, we have to deal with uh, what God has to say about forgiveness. And if, if you were to give today's uh, message a title, basically we're, we're just dealing with God's case for forgiveness. Two scriptures I want to le- leave with you, just two scriptures, and I'm going to exegete those as, as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, where, where are my future exegetes at? Come on, school of ministry. Holla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to look at God's case for forgiveness. So before we get to talking about how we should forgive, we got to understand what God has already done. Listen to me as believers. Don't ever start with yourself. Always start with God. 
Even in the things that you want, if you start with yourself, the highest area that you can reach is only your human limitation. But when you start with God, there are no limits. I'm going to say this again. If, you, if anything you start to build, start to, start to create, if you start on the basis of you, you will, you will only reach as high as your limitations. But if you start on the basis of God, then there is no limit. Uh, let, let's, let's use, for example, marriage. So, like, when, when, when you're in marriage, if you start the marriage, it's just y'all? Yeah, chances are that marriage is only going to be as strong as you two can handle. And that's why many marriages end in divorce, not because they're not good people, but just because they've reached their threshold of pain. Real good people, they reach their threshold. They can't take it anymore. And so this is why there needs to be a third party in that covenant. This is why there needs to be a foundational basis of that covenant. And that foundation should be God. All right. Isaiah 43. Now, Minister Kena preached last week about the new thing and how God was going to get ready to do a new thing and, and it was going to spring forth. And as you continue to read this chapter, the very same chapter we started in last week, this is what he says. He says, I, it's emphatic, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. This is the whole gist of the message because we know because we have an understanding. And, and I've heard it said to me before, oh, oh, I'll forgive them. <laughs> you know, all that in your throat, all that in your throat. <clears throat> but I will not forget. Isaiah 43, 25, again, don't leave me, Tabitha, put it on the screen. It says, it says, I am he who blots out your transgressions. And for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. Hold up. What is God saying? This is the omniscient, almighty, all-powerful God. And he says, I am the only one that can blot out your transgressions. Now, let's deal with that just for a second. We need to understand that, listen, nobody can clean you up like God can. Hallelujah. I know that sounds very rudimentary, very elementary. I understand. But you need to know that nobody can clean you but God. And so you need to be highly concerned with what God has to say about your life and less concerned about what everybody else has to say. Amen, somebody. Set free. I, I just feel that somehow. Because some of you, 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 you live your life concerned on what they say about you. And how they respond to you. And how they look at you. What do you think? What you think? You didn't say nothing. Why are you not saying nothing? Oh, I, I might as well, I'm not even going to go now. I'm going to change because you ain't saying nothing. You didn't look. Listen, the only one that can clean you up is God. And if since he is the only one that can clean you up, his opinion should matter beyond anybody else's. I'm yelling. Sorry. Please forgive me. You got to understand that it's, it's, it's only he. He said, I, I. I, I, God, I am he who blots out your transgressions. 
uh, the, the, uh, the, the imagery here in this text, because this is, this is Hebrew, uh, and, and so, so Hebrew words are, are, are written in picture, uh, not just letters, but it's pictures. And so the imagery that is given in this text is literally God removing a stain from a garment. Anybody ever had any stains? And, and watch this. Most of the time, most of the time, where my parents at, most of the time, all of the stains that your children get in their clothes while they have the capacity to get dirty, most of them, unless you teach them, they don't have the capacity to get it clean again. Oh, I'm preaching already. I'm halfway done. I promise. I'm almost out of your way. Uh, uh, he, sa- he says, I'm the one. So you make it dirty, but I clean it up. He says, I am the one. Now, now, now here's, here, here's, here's what we got we to gotta release our brother and our sister. The reality is, is that many of us, we get dirty with people. Or, or watch this. They, they put the stain on us. And, and, and we go back to them with our life and say, clean me up. Oh, man, I'm, okay, okay. We, we together? We, we, we family? We family and friends? Amen. Okay. Uh, uh, they dirtied you. They soiled you. They put some on you that wasn't supposed to be on you. But notice what God says. I am the one who blots out your transgressions. And what we have to begin to change in our paradigm is that when people soil you, hurt you, abuse you, mistreat you, stop trying to go to them to get clean. Because while although they may have soiled you, they don't even have the products or the solution to clean you. So when you get dirty, you got to do just like your children do when they get dirty. Mama, daddy, go to your father. Stop trying to get a solution from these people. Make it right. You heard me. You married me. You did this to me. I can't live. I can't breathe. I can't see. I can't eat. I'm so hungry. Stop trying to go to them to get the solution because they won't be able to. They're flawed. They're human. They're marred. And so you got to go back to him. This this is just the basis. This is the basis. You got to go to him, though. They did it. Yes, yes, yes. No doubt. No doubt. They did it. And, and if there are any legal ramifications that, that have to come to be, that have to come to bear, fine. They're going to do it because their name is on it. Yes, absolutely. But when it comes to you being clean again, because whether you believe it or not, a court can't clean you. Come on. Can I talk for a minute? An apology is not going to clean you absolving of a, of a sin is not going to clean you. Restitution is not going to clean you. It needs to be the very work of the Holy Spirit. And so this is why he says it is I. I am the one who blots out, who cleans, who, 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 who takes the wine, who takes the, who takes the blood, who takes the dirt, and I get it out. I'm the one. Then listen, we got to go deeper into this. And he says, for my own sake. Now, we would, we would argue the text to say that it's for our benefit that God don't remember I sin. It'll benefit us if he forgets what we did wrong, right? But he says, 
I'm doing it for my sake. Why? Okay, God is omniscient, right? God is omnipotent. God, God, God is God is God. He is God. But he says, for my own sake, I will not remember your sins. Now, when we deal with this word remember, in, watch this, when we deal with this word remember in the Hebrew, it speaks of bringing a thing, a person, and connecting it to your person. Oh, I'm almost done, y'all, I promise. He says, he says, I'm bringing it and I'm putting it on my person. And so what, 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 what I won't do is when I'm dealing with you, I'm not going to deal with you in proximity or with connection to what you did wrong. Because if I deal with you according to what you did wrong, I'm liable to kill you. Oh, y'all don't remember what he, y'all, y'all don't remember what he told Moses? Y'all, y'all go back to Exodus. He told Moses, he said, listen, because I'm a man of my word, I'm going to let y'all cross over. I'm going to send y'all an angel, and the angel go go with you. But me, I'm not going with you. Because if I go with you, I'm liable to kill y'all because I can't stand your sin. I can't stand what you're doing wrong. And Moses says, God, but if you're not with us, we don't want to go. And so he has to, in, he has to establish a system of absolvance. He says, for my own sake, I will not remember your sin. Now, what, what do we say when he says, I'll forgive, but I won't forget? Because that's not God. Here it is. There is a difference here in wording that we need to embrace if we're going to follow in the footsteps of God. You see, here it is. When we remember something, we view it through the lenses of our emotions. But now. On the other hand, when we consider something, we view it through the lenses of wisdom. If I remember it, then I wear it as a part of my person. But if I consider it, I take it off me and I examine it. Hmm. To remember something is to have cancer. To consider something is to have the cancer removed and put on the specimen table to learn how not to get cancer again. Oh, my God. Here it is. Some of you have put your pain and put your memories in the wrong place. See, you still got them on your person. God says, no, take it off of your person and put it on the table because if it's on the table, I can deal with it and walk away from it. But if it's on my person, it follows me everywhere I go. I'm not telling you to, to, to change your mind. What I am telling you is, is to properly put the things where they go. Put, don't, don't, don't remember it, just... Consider it because you, 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 don't, you don't need to be the foolish person who allows yourself to be done wrong again. But you don't need to be the hurt person to, to never allow anybody to touch you again. 
And this is why some people are in their marriages right now and they don't have peace. This is why some people are grown and they're dealing with childhood issues because they have refused to forgive. You, you, you got it on you. You tattooed it to your skin. You pierced yourself so you could hang it on your person. And you endured the pain to make sure that it remained connected. But God says, for my sake, so that I don't treat you in a way that's not indicative to my divinity. I will not remember, for my own sake, I will not remember what you did. In other words, I'm not going to hold that on me. Because watch this, watch this. They're, they're, a school of ministry student, they, they're going to listen. There, there's something called the, 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 the impassibility of God. God is impossible and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it means that at any point in time, because of his divine existence, he is in total control of his emotions. And so he never, he is never at a place where he is out of control. And if we all be honest, sometimes we are operating and we do things in a way that is not conducive to our Christian stance, but we're operating according to our human emotion. I mean, let me say it, say it like this. We operate not according to our Christian ethic, but according to our human emotion. And God says, because I'm so divine, you can, you can do wrong against me, and I can, in a moment, separate your wrongdoing from my emotional feeling towards it, clean you up, and deal with you as if it never even happened. Because some of you have wondered, how is it, God, you see me get up out of that nasty bed? And yet you still... Wake me up, yet you still give me your grace and your mercy, yet you still love me. I've, I've cursed you, I've done things wrong, I've received prophetic words of what I should not do, and I did exactly what they told me not to do, but yet and still you still love me. How is it possible that daily after day after day you give me new grace and new mercy because I know how to deal with you and separate Separate uh, those, those transgressions. And so this is what God does for us. As we close, but let's, 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 let's look at what Jesus says. Look at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, and this is where we're closing. Uh, this is in the book of Hebrews where we're talking about how Jesus is the high priest. He is a new priest. He's, he's creating a new system. Listen, listen to what the scripture says. It says, he finds fault with them when he says, behold, the days are coming. And let, me, let me deal with this quickly. And, and you got to read this whole passage. I encourage you to read the whole passage when you get a chance. Because there was a first priestly system. But he says, watch this. The, the, the priestly system that was set up previously causes the people to still be in their fault. Because they made a covenant with God and they broke the covenant. And since they broke the covenant, 
God, because he's so sovereign, he has to deal with them according to the breaking of the covenant. Notice this, and, 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 and we'll, we'll see this even as, as we read it. He says, for he finds fault with them, he says, behold, the day is coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish, here it is, a new covenant with the house of Israel. Go to verse 9. He says, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, wait a minute now. (laughs) Now, see, you got to see the tension in this text because the tension is God is saying, listen, because I, I made a covenant with them and because I am a God of covenant, I made a covenant with them. They broke the covenant. And so I had to deal with them according to the covenant that I made, which caused me, watch this, to not deal with them. This is God. Because now we're beginning to see the different nuances of God. And I hope I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disrupting anybody's theology, but, but, but you know, if, if there's any question, we can, we can talk about it afterwards. But notice what God says. He says, because of the covenant I made with them, and this is why Jesus says there's a new covenant I got to create. We got to create a brand new covenant. He says, because the covenant that I made with their fathers, they didn't obey the covenant. And so now because they didn't obey the covenant, because now they didn't do what I told them to do, now I can't deal with them. I, 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 I let them go. I, I deal with them no more. I show no, I don't care. This is literally God saying, I don't care. 400 years, they're living in bondage. I don't care. Babylonian captivity, Syrian captivity. I don't care. And how many of us, when people do us wrong, whether we loved them what, 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 no matter how close they were, we, 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 we right there. I'm Old Testament God. I don't care. You better not be on fire. Okay, okay, okay. We'll leave that. Look, look, look at verse 10 now. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law into their hearts. I will write them, uh, I'll put my law into their minds. And I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, now, here it is. I, I got to cut across the grain so, so, so we don't stay here all day. But, but in essence, what he begins to say is, because watch this. In the Old Testament, he gave them the law and they were responsible for following the law. He says, this is what I'm going to do this time. This time, I am going to, watch this, don't miss this, I'm going to put my law in their minds and I'm going to write um, them on their hearts. John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, right? Now, who was the law? Who was the word? There oh, there we go. Come on, thank you, one person, amen, amen. The law, the word is Jesus, according to John. And so now, what he says is, it, 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 instead of making the law Uh, their responsibility now I'm going to take the written word and the manifested word Jesus and I'm going to put Jesus in their minds and I'm going to put Jesus in their hearts and so now the covenant is not between them and me but the covenant is between me 
and Zeke run. Come on, okay, all right, all right, because I'm excited about this and nobody else is. He says, now the covenant is with Jesus, and now they're not my people because of their blood, but they're my people because of his blood. He said, I put it in their minds and then I put it in their hearts. I'm not just giving them a book to read and telling them to study it. And making it about them. But now because I put him on the inside of them. Now my, my, my responsibility, my engagement is with the spirit of man. The spirit of God that is in man. Verse, verse 11, I'm let you go. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor. Or each one his brother saying, know the Lord. Watch this. For they shall all know me. For they shall all know me. This, 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 this speaks of the indwelling, the presence of the Holy Spirit. This speaks of an intimate relationship with God. He says, you won't have to be taught it. In other words, in other words it's not going to be the same system of the law. It's not going to be me dealing with you according to your, to your human effort. It won't be a testing system any longer. It won't be, I tell you what to do. You do it, I bless you. You don't, I curse you. That system is now done away with. Now, this system is, we know one another. Because my spirit is in you. And so when I talk to you, there is resonance because I'm talking to my spirit on the inside of you. So in essence, when I talk to you, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to the spirit that I put in you. So when I judge you, I'm not judging you according to what you do, but I'm judging you according to what my spirit is doing in you. Man, you got that toy? I mean, it's, it's, he says, so now it's no longer about whether I will forgive you or not because I put my spirit in you and I will always be one with my spirit. Verse 12 is where we hang our hat. He says, so I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. The same verbiage we see in Isaiah, right? He says, I have the ability, watch this, and we're done. I have the ability to cut them, cut them loose, but, but, but if you read it too fast, you'll miss it. He says... I will be merciful not to them, but I will be merciful towards their iniquities. Oh, I'm not, okay, okay. Oh, wrestle with me later. Wrestle with me later. But, 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 but just hear this as we close this message. Listen, no longer does God deal with us on the basis of our sin because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. We now have the spirit of God in us whereby our sins and our transgressions and our frailties and our failures are now judged separate of our person. I told you this is going to be the most logical sermon, but you can, listen, listen. He says, I will be merciful towards their iniquities. He says, because the blood of Jesus covers you, now you're good. So whatever your flesh does in, in, in the carnal, I will segregate that from who you are in the spirit. Yes. 
And I will deal with the carnal. Watch this. I will deal with the transgression. I will isolate that thing. And, and I still will give you my love. I still will give you my grace. I still will give you my favor. I still will give you my peace. I still will give you my blessing. Because now, through the finished work of Jesus Christ, I can isolate your sin from your soul. My God, because there is a work that Jesus has already done. And so that's why he has to remember them no more because he isolates the sin from the soul. I remember them no more. So you understand why God can forgive you because he separated my sins from my soul. The next few weeks, next four weeks, this is the first week, so the next four weeks, we're going to dig into some harder stuff. Things may be a little less theological and more practical. But I encourage you to let this marinate in your spirit all week. Just how serious God was about forgiving you. I was so serious about forgiving you that I would eradicate the first covenant I made with my people. And, and I would literally, watch this. This is, this is why the gospels say that, that, that the sins of the world were placed on Jesus. Watch this. He who had no sin. This is what the word of God says. Became, oh man, don't miss this. Not, 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 not some of our sins, but he became the very essence of sin. And when he was crucified, when he was killed and rose again, he made it possible for our total debt to be paid. He made it possible for us to ask for forgiveness no matter how many times we fall and we make mistakes and we falter, he made it possible so that we could get forgiveness every single time. Why? Because he remembers our sins. No more. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I thank you that you are so loving. You are so, you are so kind. You, you are so sovereign. You are so holy. You are so righteous. You have engaged divine principles whereby you yourself would be able to forgive. We know you're holy. We know you're righteous. We know you're just. We know there is, there, there is no darkness. There is no shadow in you. But you enacted a divine system whereby you could forgive us and still remain holy. You could deal with us dirty and still remain clean. You could deal with us sinners and still remain sinless. You can deal with us broken and still remain holy. Father, we pray this week you would give each of us a personal, particular revelation of your forgiveness in our lives. Father God, give us an understanding, a spiritual, biblical understanding of how it is that we have done all the wrong that we have done, yet you still forgive us. 
yet you remember our sins no more. Father God, give us a reality of how when we wake up in the morning, you see us and you look at us as if we never even cursed your name the night before. How every morning when we get up and even when we get out of the bed of sin, you look at us even in our mess. And you say, I love you. And you kiss us with new life. And you kiss us with mercy and grace every day. Give us a revelation of how you're able to do it and stay sovereign. So that will be our basis of learning how to forgive others. Of learning how to forgive ourselves. And so we declare these things to be done and it is so. In Jesus' name.